Soft as it began by Rubber Soul O2. Chapter 19. Philip kindly insists that Hermione and Draco stay for a few cups of tea. They agree, although it takes a bit to convince Draco, and Philip entertains them with stories about his better days, the years he had spent working in fields of geology and archaeology, and how he had eventually taken over the apothecary after an untimely death of his wife. After two cups of tea, they say their goodbyes to Philip. Hermione is cautious of overstaying their welcome, and she can tell that Draco is itching to get going. By the time they leave the shop, it's already evening. The sunset burns a striking colour of tangerine, and the streets are quieter than they had been when they arrived that afternoon. Sleepy, sedated, like a general hive of bees settling down to dusk. It's a gorgeous night, cool and balmy, and you can already tell that the sky will be clear later on, perfect for stargazing. As they make their way down the quiet streets, Draco is tanked reserved. She understands that it's best to leave it that way, to let him have a few minutes to stay in his head where he seems most comfortable. Neither of them says a word about discoveries they'd made today, as if they had made an unspoken agreement to unpack it all later. Instead, they take the opportunity to absorb everything privately, digesting and linking the details, knowing that whatever connections one of them was unable to make, the other would. A mutualism that seemed to come naturally in their partnership. By now, she knows that when the two of them put their heads together, they are somehow always able to create intricate rhizomes of knowledge, chains and root systems of thought that connect and loop back to one another, like spiderwebs, until they form one complete, structurally sound hypothesis. They walk in a comfortable silence down the empty pavement, watching the streetlights flicker on as the sky turns from orange to dark blue. Hermione fingers the resurrection stone in her pocket, twisting it back and forth between her thumb and forefinger. They round a corner down a broad, quiet street lined with chestnut trees, their leaves full and bright green under the lampposts. The area must be residential. Wooden benches are placed on either side of the promenade, spaced out equidescently from one another between the smooth trunks of the trees, and the buildings become more domestic. They pass worn but cosy-looking apartment buildings, where a few residents smoke cigarettes on their balconies, watching Draco and Hermione pass with mild interest. Then a distant cacophony of laughter and the low, warbled bass of music ring out, both mixing with the jovial, celebratory voices of a small crowd. Hermione guesses before she sees it that it must be a wedding. She quickens her pace to pass Draco, striding by him as if on a mission. She peels her eyes along the street, searching for the source of the sounds, following them like a trail of breadcrumbs. Granger? She ignores him, moving faster still, closer and closer to the music. Around a soft bend, past another thick line of trees, she finds it. It's a garden, beside one of the apartment buildings, separated from the sidewalk by an old wrought-iron fence and neatly trimmed shrubbery. Twinkling lights hang dreamily over the expanse of the lawn, their glow warm and golden, and through the fence she can see the romantic setup. Lacy white cloth over small round tables, elegant French-style chairs pushed under them, a large dance floor designed to the middle of the space. Flowers and crystal champagne glasses, tables of bite-sized hors d'oeuvres, 
people in flowy summer dresses and starched button-ups, exchanging conjugal conversation in small groups. Laughter floats, light and cheerful over the music, and celebratory shouts meet the sound of clinking glasses, endless toasts to endless happiness. Hermione watches, fascinated, her fingers wrapped tightly around the iron bars of the fence. Draco catches up to her, slowing his stride as he steps up beside her. She feels him watching her, but is too engrossed in the wedding scene to meet his eye, nor does she feel like encouraging the soft glare she knows he's wearing. You're like a child in a sweet shop. For a moment I thought you'd spotted Potter or something. She looks over at him, nodding her chin towards the reception as she loosens her grip on the fence, letting her arms fall back to her side. I've only been to one wedding. Bill and Fleur Weasley's. It was... interrupted. Draco seems to understand her meaning right away, giving her a solemn nod before turning to squint through the hedges at the lively celebration. Hermione uses the opportunity to look at him more closely. He looks tired and reflective. His eyes dance through the spaces in the shrubs as he takes in the scene, and Hermione moves her gaze down to the thick column of his throat. It catches her by surprise to find a purple bruise still present there, so clearly marked that she'd given him. The colour of dark wine just over the predominant tendon of his jugular. She even remembers the sound he'd make when she'd put her lips there. The taste of his skin, the heat of it. She has to force herself to look away, to swallow the lump in her throat, dismiss the swell of pride she gets over the idea of marking him. Pure-blood weddings tend to get tired after a while, and they start to feel like a chore, and less of a ceremony and more of a production, like everyone's competing to see who can spend the most galleons or have the most guests. Minor gives him a honeyed smirk, nudging his shoulder with hers. Sounds like you haven't been to the right kind of weddings, then. He meets her gaze, and his own is sharp, unreadable. I suppose not. Hermione has already learned that Draco, in and of himself, is enough to make her reckless. But she thinks that maybe she likes this part of herself. That it's always been there, smothered by logic and reason, and brought out only in the direst of circumstances. She likes that it doesn't take any time or careful consideration to make her decision. Likes that she's going to do it because she wants to, not because she has thought about the consequences or weighed the pros and cons. She feels lighter this way, freer. I'm guessing you've never crashed a wedding then, either, she asks, stepping around him and towards the latch gate where she lifts the catch, allowing it to swing open noiselessly to display a sunken stone path to the garden. You've got to be joking, Draco deadpans, straightening as he gives her a cascading scowl. The one that always comes before a lecture. But she doesn't give him the opportunity, and pushes through the gate and under the arched lattice entryway as she gives him a goading smile. Granger, I'm serious, we can't just... Muggles do this all the time, she insists, lurching forward to grab his wrist. He grumbles a protest as she tugs him through the open gate shaking her head at him while a triumphant smile twitches at her lips. No one will even know we're here. It'll be fun! Draco raises an eyebrow, his face so close to hers under the ivy-ridden archway that she can feel his warm breath on her hair. He regards her with half-hearted indignation, his eyes dropping from her imploring gaze to her lips, and then back up again, 
His throat bobs, and Hermione's eyes are drawn back to the love bite. I suspect I don't really have much choice in the matter. Hermione smirks. I'm glad to see you're finally starting to recognise my authority, Malfoy. Don't push your luck, Granger. She drops his wrist, turning and leading them into the busy garden. Strangely, no one seems to notice the two underdressed late arrivals, either too drunk on champagne or too giddy on love to realise that Hermione and Draco do not belong. The tableau is even more gorgeous from the inside, just as she's expected. The sky is clear and the stars are on display, as if they'd been specifically requested as a wedding decoration, bright and twinkling above the string lights. We are severely underdressed, Draco draws into her ear, his voice low and deep. She leads them over to a table that holds flutes of bubbling champagne, taking two glasses by their dainty stems and handing one to Draco. Just drink, no one will even notice us. Draco huffs slightly, but takes the glass from her and lifts it straight to his lips, downing it in a single gulp before replacing it with another. Hermione giggles under her breath, doing the same, before they leave to wander the garden for a few minutes. An older woman eyes them warily from her table, but Hermione gives her a confident and reassuring smile, which the woman returns before going back to her conversation. Hermione stops to watch the bride and groom on the dance floor. The bride's white gown is classic, simple, and she smiles up at her new husband with undeniable affection. She can't help but admire them, entranced as they spin around the dance floor, laughing and whispering inside jokes to each other's ears. Draco leaves her for a moment, wandering back over to get another glass of champagne. Hermione takes a small sip of hers, cautious to stay sober, She's unsure of what would happen, what she might say if she let herself become even the slightest bit unravelled around Draco. She's scared of what sort of confession she would make. The song that's been playing ends and a soft applause fills the air as the bride and groom finish spinning, stopping to exchange a quick kiss. Hermione finds herself clapping too, tapping her fingers softly against the knuckles of her other hand so she doesn't spill her champagne. She turns her chin to look for Draco and finds him occupied. One of the bridesmaids had sidled up to him, holding her own untouched glass of champagne and smiling sweetly at him with pink cheeks and glittering eyes. She seems to be listening to him, entirely engrossed as she says something, leaning forward ever so slightly so she can hear him over the music. Hermione's stomach twists unpleasantly as the woman laughs. It rings crisp and clear through the air, a laugh Hermione could never deign to replicate. Draco smiles too, shrugging a shoulder as he continues to talk, allowing the bridesmaid to rest a flirtatious palm on his upper arm for a moment before she pulls away. Hermione takes a long swig of her champagne and lets the bubbles attack her throat, fill her stomach, trying to wash away the jealousy she feels with booze. She finishes the drink in three quick swallows, wiping her lips with the back of her hand and setting the flute onto the table closest to her. The middle-aged man turns to give her a look of consternation, when she returns with a forced smile, moving further into the crowd towards the dance floor. When had she decided that this was okay? That getting jealous over Draco Malfoy, flirting, kissing him in the dark hallways, was okay? It should have completely upturned her universe, flipped it over and over and over until everything was so shaken it was unrecognisable. She should be fighting against it, 
thrashing and kicking and denying it until the ends of the earth. She should be picturing herself at twelve, wondering what that little girl would think if she saw adult Hermione getting upset over someone else flirting with a man whom she'd once hated, who had taught her all of the reasons the world should hate her in return. The problem is, that isn't who Draco Malfoy was any longer. The problem is, she is okay with it. The problem is, she wants it. More than anything. I thought we were supposed to be in this together, Granger. His voice floats behind, alerting her of his presence before his body does. Draco squeezes past a few idle bodies to stand beside her. His champagne glasses fall once more, and he looks slightly relieved to have found her. We didn't even decide what our answer will be if someone asks us if we're here for the bride or groom. She avoids looking at him, and watching the people on the dance floor as the song comes to an end. The bride laughs happily when the groom grabs her waist from behind, pulling her back towards him as if being without her for a moment might have been the worst thing in the world. And what did you decide? she asks, tucking her curl behind her ear. Draco's arm presses into hers, warm and familiar, and they both stand watching the crowd move into couples, finding a partner to sway with as a slow song begins. Bride. We used to go to school with her when we were younger. We lost touch for a while, but ran into each other at the shops one day and reconnected. We always have loved her optimism and carefree attitude, and my, doesn't the groom compliment her perfectly? We're so happy for them. Hermione can't help but choke out an impressed laugh, looking up at him in amused bewilderment. Draco smirks down at her, playfully teasing. Her neck flushes, her pulse picking up as he waits for her reaction. And that worked. As far as I can tell, he responds, taking a sip from his glass. There was a bit of a language barrier, and I can't tell if that helped or hindered me out there. Hermione only smiles, turning forwards again to watch the dance floor. Draco's gaze lingers on her profile for a moment, and she wiggles, uncomfortable under his obvious stare. He warms her belly, shooting up to her ears and down to her feet, Every bit of her aware of him. His proximity. His eyes. His scent. It's impossible to focus on the dancing. On the scene before them. On the words of the song that hang in the air with the stars. She tries to shake him off. Tries. Tries. But she can't. She's never liked the feeling of failure. But she also knows when it's time to accept it. To concede and bow out respectfully. Dance with me, Granger. She looks at him so quickly that she puts a kink in her neck, her heart catching in her throat as she brings her eyes up to his. He's waiting for her, expectantly, but there are no other indications of what he might be feeling, nothing for her to read except for an almost challenging narrow of his eyes. You're serious? she asks sceptically, shooting him a dubious glare that tells him she expects there's a catch to his proposal somewhere. Well, we could stand here and do nothing, or we could make ourselves look like we belong. Besides, Granger, you once told me you always want to dance when you're drunk. He lifts an eyebrow, challenging her. Well, I'm not drunk. He holds out his half-empty glass of champagne to her, and his knuckles grazing her own. Never too late. Hermione's insides are fizzy. Too much champagne already, she thinks, 
but she takes the glass anyway, gulping down the last two swallows and setting it onto the ground beside her. Fine. Draco nods, hiding a smile from her as he holds out his palm for her to take. She does so reluctantly, eyeing him with discernible wariness, as if he might be trying to pull something on her. You can relax, Granger, he says as he pulls them onto the dance floor, finding an open spot and setting her hand easily on his shoulder before letting go. Then, in a smooth motion that makes her suck in a silent breath through her nose, Draco slides one of his arms around her waist, pulling her closer to him before resting his open hand to the small of her back. I can assure you my intentions are nothing less than honourable. She looks up at him as he takes another hand in hers, slipping it into his as he begins to move. So you won't be trying to seduce me then? He smirks down at her, a smile that's slow to start but worth the wait, and licks his lips with the pink tip of his tongue. Well, I never said that. He goes to spin her just in time for her to hide the bright red blush that blooms across her cheeks. Her nerve endings go haywire, her heart pounding and her ears ringing. When he pulls her back and she finds herself pressed flush against his chest, his forearm on her back acts as a belt to push her closer to him, and she has no choice but to turn her head and rest her cheek on his shoulder. The position is startlingly intimate, almost more so than their fiery coupling had been nights ago, but at least she doesn't have to look him in the eyes, at least she can let herself panic without his leering, or knowing gaze on her shocked expression. They move back and forth to the music, Draco leading, Hermione following reverently. The tips of her fingers brush back and forth over the fabric of his shoulder, and she lets herself exhale a wobbly breath, relaxing into him. It wouldn't do to be stiff. She has to trust him. Draco moves with practice elegance, relaxed but assertive like the ocean would be if it was self-aware. They move together like they've done it before, like this isn't crossing a million of those precarious lines Draco had once told her, only she had the power to cross. It's lines that are solid, and it's people who screw it all up by crossing them. By now, she's effectively wiped them all away, smoothed out the sand and let the tide roll over them, as if she'd never drawn them in the first place. All of this makes me wonder when Blaze and the Weaselet will get married. Draco says after a few moments. Hermione pulls her head away from his shoulder to look at him, grateful for the cushion of his conversation starter. Blaze hasn't said anything to you about it, she asks, watching as Draco scans the dance floor, absentmindedly brushing his thumb against the small of her back. Only that he wants to marry her. I wouldn't be surprised if he's waiting for Potter to come back, so he can be sure Ginny won't... change her mind. Hermione halts not letting go of Draco, but stilling her body and urging him to return her gaze. Ginny wouldn't do that, Hermione says, feeling it to her toes when Draco's deep breath pushes his chest into her breasts. She loves Blaze, more than she's ever loved anyone. Harry will always be special to her, but Blaze is it for her, whether Harry is around or not. Draco nods, searching Hermione's eyes as they begin swaying again. The song changes, but stays slow, and they don't take their eyes off one another for a few moments. It's funny, he says, a muscle tickling in his jaw. 
I keep trying to picture what you'll do when we find him. I can see you crying and smiling, running into his arms. I'm trying to figure out what it might look like, for something I've helped do to make you happy. Isn't that so selfish? That I want you to be happy because I think it will make me feel better about myself. Because I'm helping you find Potter, I might be able to make up for all of the other ways I've ever made you unhappy. His admission hits her with a force like lightning, a sharp, electrifying sort of feeling that sparks down her middle. She thinks it must have taken a lot of courage for him to tell her this, which is why she isn't sure how to respond, isn't sure how to talk to him like this, this open, opening herself up the same way he has. She lets out a fake, hollow sort of laugh, giving him the opportunity to bow out should he want to. How much have you had to drink tonight, Malfoy? He shakes his head, his eyebrows pulling together slightly as he formulates a reply. That's not the point, Granger. The point is, I've been telling myself for far too long that if I did this for you, helped you find Potter, I wouldn't ever have to say I'm sorry. But I'd be fooling myself if I thought that I could make things right that way. They've stopped dancing completely now. They just stand in the corner of the dance floor, holding each other while others move in time to the music around them. My father used to say that actions speak louder than words, she tells him, unsure of what else to say, hoping he says more. That's the part I struggle with. Words. He clears his throat softly, his eyes flitting this way and that across her cheeks as if he's counting her freckles. But... I'm sorry is only two, and I think I've gone over it enough in my head by now to tell you that I regret how I treated you at school. I don't have any excuses, but I do regret it. I regret a lot of things, but I don't regret helping you, not because I get to watch you come face to face with Potter again, or because it made Madge happy, but because you, as bratty, irritating and spotty as you are, have made it devastatingly easy to understand what it means to be good. And I'm trying, I'm trying not to be selfish, but I'm glad I was lucky enough to get stuck with you, Granger, because you've shown me that it is possible. Her mouth feels dry, her palms sweaty. You've definitely had too much to drink. It's a cop-out and she knows it, but he knows it too. Or, Granger... I'm trying to tell you something. Hermione swallows, feeling as though she and Draco are standing at the edge of a very tall cliff, waiting to see which one of them will be the first brave enough to take the jump. As if deciding he needed one more test, or maybe even to put off the inevitable descent, she says, My bridesmaid liked you. She was flirting with you, very unsubtly, I might add. Draco presses her closer to him forcing her to tilt her chin upwards to look at him. Was she? Hermione nods, and Draco's fingers trot lazily across her back, moving lower until his hand rests where her spine meets her bum. Don't be daft. She was pretty. I didn't notice the bridesmaid, Granger. Why not? Don't be daft. I didn't notice her because I was trying to get back to you. The plummet feels much better than she'd anticipated. She usually doesn't like the feeling of falling, 
but she would be free-falling for him any day. Hello, excuse me? A new voice snaps the charged moment in two, and Hermione and Draco turn to see the bride and groom approaching them warily, and easy smiles on their faces. Sorry to be rude, but do we know you? The groom asks in an easy, accented English. Time to go, Granger, Draco says, so only she can hear, his throaty command enough to snap her back to reality. Sorry, and uh, congratulations! Hermione grins at them apologetically as Draco pulls her across the dance floor and through the crowd, back the way they'd come in. Draco tugs her, urging her to move faster, and they weave through the tables and in between puzzled observers as they're home free, rushing down the street to the spot their port came from. In the moments that they reach home, going wordlessly into the house and up the stairs, Hermione knows that it's up to her now. The quaffle is in her pitch, so to speak. Draco had made himself clear tonight, and before they'd been interrupted, Hermione had known it was her turn to say something. Maybe it had been the alcohol, or maybe it had been the lingering high of finding out new information, but Draco had been nothing but honest with her tonight. He'd apologised. But he doesn't push her. He lets her go into her own bedroom, doesn't say anything or give her any looks as he goes to his own. For a moment, she's tempted to believe that he hadn't meant anything by it, and that she was reading into it too closely. She sits on her bed for long minutes, contemplating, trying to decipher between fact and fiction. Then, as she goes to take her clothes off for bed, she tells herself not to be a fool. She leaves the clothes on, tiptoeing over to her door and stepping out into the corridor, blood pounding in her ears. She knocks, once, twice, hearing his quiet permission through the door and pushing it open. The room is dark, but for a single pale lamp on the surface of his desk. She steps forward, standing at the threshold where the doorway meets the room. She is nervous. She's hardly ever nervous. Draco is sitting on the bed. He's already in pyjamas, just the trousers, and she can see how ragged his breathing is from the way his naked chest rises and falls. He's sitting upright, his long legs sprawled in front of him, his back propped against the wall, and he's holding an open book in one hand. He takes her in as Hermione stands frozen in the doorway, her pulse quickening by the second. His hair is floppy, rumpled, and like he's been running his fingers through it. He's wearing an expression that she would have called hardened, severe a few months ago, guarding his emotions carefully, but his eyes give him away. He scans her head to toe, slowly, his eyes moving like molasses as he takes her in. Hermione breathes in and out through her nose, trying to maintain a steady rhythm. Outside, insects hum. All of the things that had once sounded alien are familiar to her now. This house, which had once been strange, an empty place with four walls, has become familiar to her. Draco has become familiar to her. Draco sets his book down, slowly onto the bedside table, his hand moving to his stomach where his short nails scratch the lean muscle. Amaya's gaze falls to the dark hair trailing below his navel into the band of his trousers, and then dances back up to where his eyes remain on her face. Come here. A command, softly spoken. 
she floats to him, moving without thought or effort to the edge of his bed. The sheets are crumpled at his feet, his wand placed on top of the nightstand for easy access. He is made up of dualities in that moment, sharp and languid, decisive and hesitant, choosing and letting the choice be made for him. Hermione shakily lifts her knees, climbing up to the mattress as Jaco shifts, making himself sit straighter, moving his legs as if he already knows her plan. She hadn't realised until this moment how well he'd learned to read her. She holds her breath, her cheeks flushing as she fumbles towards him on shaky limbs, the mattress dipping and tilting her as she climbs towards him, until she's kneeling between his legs. He watches her all the while, his expression impassive, holding back, wanting to know if he can take what he wants. Hermione settles in front of him, her palms resting on her thighs as if she's about to pray. She finds the courage to look up at him, meeting his eyes as they exchange a wordless moment of decision. Inhaling a shaky breath, Hermione lifts her hands up and places the tips of her fingers on Draco's chest. A further light, like touching him, might cause all of this to implode. It doesn't. Draco's eyes look down at her fingers, but she watches him, watches his lashes flutter, his lips part as she runs her fingers down his chest and stomach, trailing them over the smooth skin until his stomach muscles contract in a shudder. She hears his breath catch, the lines of his neck pulling tight and rippling as he swallows. His eyes find hers again, and then he's sending an arm out to pull her closer, belting it around her middle and tugging her towards him. She sort of falls forward, catching herself by resting her palms on his warm chest, his nipples small and hard under her fingertips. He cranes his neck forward, off to the wall, slowly bringing his face closer, before nudging his nose beside hers. His lips hover over the corner of her open mouth, and they exchange hot puffs of air, trying to catch their breath before they've even begun. Hermione moves as carefully as she can, climbing in his lap until she straddles him, sliding her arms around his shoulders and holding on to the back of his neck. She lets out a dulcet whimper when Draco's lips grace her own, teasingly, before he plants slow, soft kisses all over her face, cheeks to forehead, back down to her jaw and behind her ear. It's the cruelest lesson in patience, waiting for him to find his way back to her lips, where he finally kisses her with a firm, calculated pressure and steadiness. She wonders where he finds it in himself to be this steady, when being with him like this has so thoroughly shaken her from the inside out. His free hand finds its way to the back of her neck, cupping it, pressing her into him as his fingers thread through the curls at her scalp. He kisses her with reverence she once thought she might never experience, a reverence she noticed had been missing when she kissed Ron, and Victor. Draco knows how to kiss, but more specifically, Draco knows how to kiss her. Each of his movements is like an impulse, like he's always known instinctually how to touch her, and if he doesn't have to think, to do, he just knows. She sinks into him, running her tongue along the seam of his lips until he grants her access. Fingers tangled in hair, bodies pressed close, money knows where this leads next, is ready for it. Pulling away from him and left panting slightly, 
Hermione meets Draco's eyes. Darkened irises, wide pupils, heavy lids, and stretches her arms up to the ceiling, waiting. Draco examines her for a moment, assessing her, ensuring he knows what she's asking. She feels it in her belly when he releases a breathy chuckle. It's sexy, amused, like he can't believe his luck. He leans forward to press his lips to hers once more, before his fingers find the bottom of her shirt and begin pulling it upwards. Hermione holds her breath all the while, anticipation and need heavy in her body in the air around her. She feels the cool air from the window on her torso, and her nipples pebble visibly through the sheer mesh material of her bra. Draco crumples the shirt into a ball and throws it away, somewhere on the floor, his eyes not leaving her chest. Hermione, impatient, does the rest of the work for him, reaches back and undoes the clasp, letting the material fall down and away from her breasts, leaving her exposed before him. Draco inhales sharply as she discards the small piece of cloth, his jaw working, eyes flicking from her breasts to her face, over and over, as if he's unsure she's really allowing him to see this much of her. In assurance, or maybe in an effort to get him to hurry up, she reaches a hand out and rubs her thumb along his jaw, tenderly, encouragingly. They exchange a glance, a nod, and Draco finally puts both warm hands on her belly, sliding his palms up her torso until he's cupping her breasts, holding the weight of them in his hands. Hermione gasps as his thumbs swipe over her nipples. Her head falls back, eyelids fluttering closed, and she pants his fingers explore her skin, caressing her, drawing her tight until she's wound up, needing more. She demonstrates her enthusiasm by circling her hips against his, grinding their pelvises together in a way she knows he'll feel. Draco groans, a sound that's hoarse and involuntary, and leans in to kiss her again, his hands moving to her back where he holds her shoulder bones and presses her tightly to him. "'I want this so badly,' she whispers in his ear, peppering kisses along his jaw and neck as they grind against each other, seeking friction. He's hard already, and she angles her hips, making direct contact and whimpering as she moves her hands back and forth over his collarbones and up his shoulders. Granger, you have no idea. She cuts him off, kissing him again, and then moves to pull off her trousers. They fumble awkwardly, desperately as Hermione pushes herself up on her knees, undoing her button and pushing them down her thighs all the while never letting herself stop kissing him. Draco, sensing that she's having trouble getting the trousers past her knees, pushes forward, gently lowering her until her back hits the mattress. He crawls over her, leaving a trail of wet kisses from her neck down to her hip bone. He stops at her knickers, his face etched with hunger, desire. Miney wiggles against the sheets, and watching him, waiting for him. He takes her in, inspecting her from the sprawled curls to the pointed toes, and then gently pulls the trousers the rest of the way off her legs, swiftly throwing them in the same direction as her t-shirt. She's nearly naked now, only her knickers in the way, and she wants to see more of him too. Her chest heaves as she sucks in air, 
her breasts falling up and down with her chest, her skin covered in goosebumps. Draco, who has been holding on to her calves since he took her trousers off, places her legs down on either side of his body, spreading her for him. He looks at her with unabashed interest, his cheeks pink, his hair messier than she's ever seen it, his palms slide firmly up and down her thighs, stroking her chin, before hooking his thumbs in the band of her knickers and pulling them off. Her face heats up. It's not that she's embarrassed, not that she's fearful of what he'll think or what he's seeing. It's that the moment they're currently sharing is one of the most intimate of her life, laying back for him, exposed, her knees spread apart and her nipples taut and pointed, all while he watches her from his vantage point, taking her in. Say something, she whispers, chewing on her lip with her teeth. Her knickers haven't received the same treatment as her other clothes, and they've been set aside carefully on his nightstand beside his wand. It takes her off guard when, with one forceful tug, Draco tightens his hold on her thighs and jerks her towards him, so her knees press into the sides of his back. I already told you, Granger, he says, husky and slightly teasing. He leans forward, kissing up her left thigh, looking up at her through his lashes, his hands slide under her bum, holding her simultaneously up and open, her lower back suspended off of the mattress. I'm no good with words. His mouth is on her before she has the time to laugh at his smart-ass remark. Her fingers scramble to grab onto the sheets, fisting them tightly as her mouth falls open in an immediate moan. Draco makes quick work of her. His tongue works itself along her centre, through her folds and up to her clit, where it finds a steady rhythm that is interrupted only by the light scrape of his teeth. She allows one hand to release its hold on the sheets, choosing instead to lace her fingers through his hair as she bites down on her lip, trying to be quiet. Her hips push forward, seeking him, seeking pressure, and Draco skates one palm of her body to cup her breast, massaging it, rolling her nipple between his thumb and forefinger. He sinks his tongue inside of her, swirling and pulling and pushing until she's sure she could explode right then and there. Fuck, she murmurs, and turning her head to the side and into the sheets where he attacks her clit again. She bucks her hips forward at the sensation, but his fingers dig into her hip bone to pin her down, almost bruising. Draco doesn't let up, takes the time to learn what she responds to and what she doesn't, and twists and tastes and touches for what could be hours, until she is sensitive and aching for it. She knows she's close, it's no surprise to her at all, but an orgasm is hurtling its way to its peak. Building in her lower half as she flexes her toes, grasping Draco's hair to the point where it must be painful. He takes her over the edge only seconds later, as her mouth falls open in a silent scream, as her body draws up tight and stiff. The pleasure is blissful, incomparable, and leaves her trembling under him, clinging to him. Draco slows, guiding her through it, his hold on her loosening as her body slackens. He leaves her core, 
cutting a path over her navel and stomach before trailing up to her breasts, which he takes in his mouth, making them carefully with his teeth. Hermione finds her breath, tilting her chin to watch him as his mouth leaves reddened marks on her chest. She likes that he's leaving them, likes the symbol behind them, as if each one is left possessively, as a reminder for later. Draco's eyes connect with hers and he moves over her body, stretching up to kiss her. She can taste herself on his tongue, and Draco chuckles against her mouth when she wraps her legs around his hips, crossing her ankles at his back to pull him down to her. She wants to give him everything he has just given her, is trying to tell him without words to hurry up, and that she's ready. She's done waiting, done wondering how he will feel inside of her, if the control he so easily upholds in his daily life will be lost, and what that might look like on him. Please take your trousers off, she instructs in his ear, slipping a finger under the elastic waistband and letting it snap back against his skin. He pulls back, brushing a curl off of her face and grinning at her. A sexy, relaxed grin, the newest in her growing collection. Funny how you're only sweet to me when you want something, he drawls, manoeuvring his trousers off and banishing them to the floor alongside Hermione's forgotten garments. She's about to argue when Draco slides his pants off, far more gracefully than she'd ever be able to balancing one arm beside her head where she can admire the strained muscle of his bicep. She sucks in a breath, looking at him as he wraps a fist around himself, stroking his length a few times before leaning over to kiss her again. Then, pulling a pillow from the top of the bed, he lifts her hips easily to stuff it under her bum, raising her up for him before climbing over her. "'You won't let me return the favour she asks, as he steadies himself over her, balancing one arm while Hermione readjusts her legs, opening herself to him once more. Draco groans, a rumbling that escapes his throat and shoots straight through her. Fucking hell, Granger, he growls, running two fingers through her slit to make sure she's ready for him. She is. If I let you do that now, I, I don't think I'll last. The confession has her blushing, proud that she had apparently had a part in exuring his readiness. Another time, then, she whispers against the shell of his ear, kissing it before following the lines of his neck down to the hollow of his throat. Draco hums, lining himself up with her. She can feel the tip of him against her opening, and she knows right away that he's painfully hard. She reaches down and wraps her own hand around his length feeling it twitch under her fingers as she guides him forward, allowing him to push into her an inch or so. They both gasp as he stretches her, and when Hermione's nails find that spot on his back where she likes to hold on, Draco hisses and stops moving completely, frozen over her. He purses his lips, his eyes falling closed as he gathers self-control, clearly not wanting this to end early. See what you've done to me, Granger, he grits out breathily, all of his muscles tense with his restraint. The knowledge that he's already on edge makes her giddy, but it's only a matter of time before it makes her want him more, and faster. Draco takes a few seconds to breathe, 
bending down and placing a few quick kisses on her collarbone as a distraction. We can stay like this as long as you like, she says to him, finding his eyes and giving him a soft smile. I don't mind. She runs her thumb over his small, pointed nipple, eliciting another hot breath of air from his lips. Draco holds their eye contact, his expression almost disbelieving. He leans down to meet her, the damp hair from his fringe tickling her forehead as he kisses her, slow, passionate, needy. Remind me to take you up on that another time, he says when he pulls away. Then, without another word, he slides all of the way into her, his hips smacking against her own as they release simultaneous sounds of pleasure. She thinks she curses out loud, but it could have also been Draco. He feels so good, stretches her, fills her, surrounds her. It's a bit painful at first, but the pain falls away quickly, replaced with hot, aching pleasure as Draco finds the right angle and pace. From there, Draco takes what he wants, and she lets him, watches him with fascination and desire as he speeds his thrusts, finding a rhythm that is both fast and hard, and even and precise. She understands that he won't last long, sees it in his eyes and feels it in the desperate movements of his hips as they connect with hers, but she doesn't mind. He watches her the entire time, looks at her own expressions, her breasts, and watches himself slide in and out of her as he grunts, his hips snapping urgently all the while. Her breasts bounce against his chest as he rocks into her, hot pants expelled onto her skin and hair, muscles flexed and face flushed with exertion. He turns his head to kiss her knee, placing a hand on her lower stomach and applying a pressure that rattles places deep within her. Feel so good, Granger he mutters, after a particularly deep thrust, that has her calling out, sliding her hands down to his muscular bum, and finding the dimples at the bottom of his back and promising herself she'll kiss each one later. Look at you. It isn't long before his thrusts grow frantic, and even his pace faltering as he tips his head back in ecstasy. Then, with a fuck mumbled under his breath, his muscles pulling tight, he pulls out of her quickly to spill warm cum across her stomach, releasing a drawn-out groan of rapture. Hermione watches in fascination as his spend lands hot and sticky on her skin, captivated by his expression of euphoria. His open mouth, closed eyes, the way his tongue comes out to wet his lips as he slides his fist over his length, drawing out the pleasure. She'd be lying if she said it wasn't the most sensual thing she'd ever experienced. That lying there with his orgasm on her heaving stomach, and watching him as he squeezed himself for every last drop, looking down at her like he felt the exact same way, wouldn't be forever ingrained into her mind. He stills, waiting only a moment or so before he slumps forward, the hot, solid weight of him pleasant on top of her. Then he rolls over beside her and onto his back, like he's afraid he'll crush her and pants up at the ceiling. I'm sorry you didn't. If I'd lasted longer... I did. Yes, but not while I was. I promise you, you gave me everything I needed. It was perfect. 
They lie boneless on the mattress, looking up at the ceiling as they let their breathing return to normal, let their heartbeats slow and let the sweat dry on their foreheads. Draco uses his wand to rid them of their mess, kissing her breasts one last time before collapsing beside her again. He places a warm palm on her naked thigh, caressing her, swiping his thumb back and forth over the subtle skin in a tender, ready rhythm. He looks up at them, and she thinks that's the moment that everything changes. When he reaches over and wraps one of her curls around his finger, releasing it before brushing it back over his knuckles over her cheek, she kisses him, keeps kissing him until they're so tired they can't any more, falling asleep tangled together under the sheets. There are a lot of moments in her life that Hermione wishes she could relive, but given the chance, this is the one she'd pick. Mm-hmm.